Hello, Thrivers. This is Jay Onafre. This is the New Earth Times. And today I have my father on the show. My father goes by the name Gord Lund. He is a visionary. He is a friend. He is a mentor. He is a, a, an incredible son, uh, brother. And, you know, Dad, I, I wanted to have you on the show right at the beginning when I launched this puppy, because obviously you've been extremely instrumental in, in why I'm here and I'm even doing this show. <laughs> so I want my audience to get a sense of, of a lot of where I come from and you know how this show is birthed, because I also feel like this is very much um, my fourth child and your fourth grandchild. And I'm just thrilled to have you on the show, Papa Bear. I just want to start out by saying thank you so much um, for joining us here today on my on my new baby. Pleasure is mine. So you, I'd like the audience to just know that you're famous for a couple of things. Uh, well, actually, you're famous for a lot of things, but you um, are are known to be the king of simplicity. And I'll get into that shortly. A little bit about how that impacted me as I was growing up with you. But you also literally wrote the book on it. So you have a book called Simplicity that's available um, at Amazon.com. And you speak about the power of simplicity. And growing up, I, I experienced it, but now you're even deeper into it and its implications and its importance. So I would really, I'd really love to dive into that today. And I'd really, really like to dive into your stories, Dad. Um, you know, I just want to start out by saying that you are my best friend and we've had all sorts of adventures together. And one of the things you always used to say to me was uh, that we grew up together. <laughs> what, what does that mean when I say we grew up together? Just to put it in context for our listeners today. Well, we're, when, uh, we're just you and me. So where I went, you went, where you went, I went. So I was a single dad. And that was a, one of my greatest experiences in my life was uh, raising you. So uh, uh, it's that simple. <laughs> where I went, you went. Where you went, I went. So we did a lot of things together. So I've, I've gone ahead and called this the New Earth Times. You know, at the moment, it's a working title. So we'll see if we keep it. I quite like it because it, it says exactly what it is, the times we're in. Um, you, in these golden years of your life, you know, you're now in your mid-70s. Um, this is a huge part of your life. You've devoted most of your time, your waking hours to your spiritual discovery and awakening. I'd like you to share a little bit, just as we launch into your history and your story, you started off as a professional football player, as well as a ski jumper. So tell us just very briefly a little bit about your um, early beginnings as a young Norwegian and your family and how you grew up and how that transitioned into this competitive world of, of ski jumping and professional football. Well, interesting. I, when you're young and uh, you're athletic, you have peer pressure to do all these things. And actually, if I could live my life over again, I wouldn't play football. And I'm not even sure I would ski competitively. I was a cross-country skier, alpine skier, and a ski jumper. But I won the Canadian championship and combined championship. But uh, uh, and I, but I ended up being in the ski business. So I guess it came to me naturally. 
but uh, I wouldn't play football if I could live my life over again. Because uh, ego, and it's too hard on your body, and uh, too late, too smart. Uh, you, now you were a running back back in the day, um, fast as fast could be, and, and just a couple years ago inducted into the Hall of Fame for football. I know it's not your favorite subject to talk about, but as an athlete, um, this was, uh, you know, something that you, you were an incredible athlete and I believe still are, and you transitioned, um, into business and took a lot of the things that you learned as an athlete and transitioned into business. And you went on to absolutely blow out of the water, multiple companies, um, which is of course where I get a lot of my business prowess, um, I was always alongside you learning how, how you did business. Chat a little bit with our audience about that transition from being a competitive athlete and then moving into business and, and basically how you crushed it in business. Well, what, where your attention goes, your energy flows. So I, uh, it was kind of a natural for me. It kind of things fell into place. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it just happens, you might say. I uh, don't think one was the result of the other. It's just that I, uh, we all have karma. It's a big story now you're getting me in to talk about, but uh, I don't even know where to go with this. But uh, we all have our own destiny, and uh, my destiny was to do what I did. But uh, expect, you know, everything in your life without anger, resentment, or bitterness, enjoy what you have in the moment. So I ended up with a lot, kind of lots of statements from football. Uh, I played high school football at a Lutheran college. I spent three years high school, one year junior college at, at a Lutheran college. And we had a very good football team and a very good coach. And then I went and played one year with Evan Huskies. We won the little gray cup and I scored three touchdowns and three bowl records. And that was the greatest male bonding experience of my life. Then I went to Oklahoma, and then I went to state, and I went to Boise, and then I played for the Eskimos, and I didn't enjoy that at all. I found it a very, uh, lack of a better word, unprofessional, <laughs> which is kind of ironic. But when I played for the Huskies, I jokingly say to my head coach, then, who's now a friend of mine, Joe Hutton, that uh, he ruined my life because, uh, jokingly, because after playing for the Edmund Huskies and how they empowered the people, and you felt valued and appreciated, and I look forward to going to practice, to something that wasn't very professional at all. They set such a high benchmark for me. But I, the uh, winning tradition of the Huskies probably made me want to be, uh, you know, keep it simple, but do the best you can. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm not sure where I, I can go with this, but, uh, I kind of learned simplicity the hard way. I uh, bought a beautiful ranch property east of Red Deer, Alberta on the Red Deer River. And I traded some skis for two horses. And I loved those horses. I rode those horses. My kids rode those horses, my old two oldest daughters. I got, and I, I was enjoying it, riding a lot along the river, in the river in the valley there where there was eagles and deer and all kinds of beautiful wildlife, and ducks and geese. And then I went to a horse sale and bought six mares who had six foals. And all of a sudden, instead of riding, I'm now shoveling shit and hauling hay. 
I learned simplicity the hard way. So you're better to do, I tell my kids, all my kids, anybody that listen to me, that you're better to do 90, 10 things, 90%, the 90 thing is 10%. A thousand percent. So when I worked with, with another company, I took a five-year contract to do the marketing and sales for a uh, importing distribution company. And they had a hundred products and they were doing about 160,000 in Western Canada, 2 million in Ontario and Quebec. And they jokingly said to me when I hired five-year contract said, we hope you sell a million dollars someday. Well, I became the top salesman in the company for, for five of the products. And I was the worst salesman for 95 of the products, but I focused on keeping it simple and focused on five products because retailers only have so much time to listen to you. So in three years, I was doing $3.4 million at 6% commission in the early 70s. And so, uh, because I, I learned simplicity, uh, another lesson in simplicity. It made you very successful in business. Still, everywhere I go, everyone always says, how's Gordy doing? And, you know, you, you were um, masterful in your, in your business building and in your relationship building. And it's amazing uh, the compliments and the feedback still that I get to this day about your character and, and who you were in business and how you took care of people um, and, and the time that you took with people. You, you have one story in particular that I've always found is really poignant and pertinent is with Fritz Boytenlanger. Um, he didn't want to buy anything from you and you were a, uh, a distributor and you would just keep going in. And I would love you to share a little bit about that relationship and, and how he ended up actually coming and being onboarded with what you were doing. Well, that's, that's it. Um, I had a young salesman working for me. And he said, Fritz, I can't, he, he, it throws me out of the story. So I went in to see Fritz. I, I used to ski race against Fritz. He was on the German national team at one time. And I walked in and uh, he said, I don't want anything. From, I don't want to buy anything. I sold Zalbello ski boots and, uh, and uh, vocal skis and, uh, and eventually, uh, anyway, uh, Blizzard, but he said, I don't want anything. So after a while we could talk and I, I said, so how's your wife doing and how's your son? And, and uh, he showed interest in his, in his family. And I knew them all very well for many years. And he said, have you got a catalog of your, of your boots? And I said, yeah. And I, he said, oh, uh, could I see it? And I said, Joe, oh, just a minute. I went and got the catalog and he said, oh, do you have this boot and this boot with you? And I said, yeah. Could I see it? And I said, yeah. And, and so, and so he, he ended up looking at all the boots. And he, same thing happened with the ski. You got a catalog on your ski? And I said, yes. Oh, have you got this one this one? Anyway, to make a long story short, I walked out of there with four boots and four skis and he bought $80,000 for equipment from me. And I never tried to sell a thing. <laughs> So you have to develop a, learn to listen uh, in sales and not, uh, and don't tell people what they have to buy. Tell what they have to buy what they want to buy. So you have to learn to be a good listener and show an interest in them. And if they have a dog, find out what the dog's name is and say, oh, how is your dog Lucy doing, you know, or Skipper doing? And show an interest in them. Uh, People, next to physical survival, the next most important thing in life is to feel valued, understood, and appreciated, especially appreciated. So be grateful for their business and let them know that you're very grateful and thank you for their, their business. 
I learned so much about how to do good business watching you um, and actually, you know, just being alongside you for a lot of those sales calls. And I have a couple of really fond memories that stand out in my mind as well. I remember, I remember when we used to go to the bank or we used to go out for lunch and you would, you were always so kind to the servers. I mean, you know, you, you really went out of your way to make people feel acknowledged and, and special and seen. And I remember one time in particular, we were at a bank and you were looking at all of the tellers you said to me, let's find the teller that's the grumpiest and then let's go talk to that teller. You remember that? <laughs> tell them, I always love to tell them. You bet. And I remember we, you know, she started out just with this sour face. What, I'll let you share that story. She had I, such a sour face. You complimented her, you, you, know, you acknowledged her and she just lit up like a Christmas tree. I can't remember, I'm sorry. There's so many times, yeah. You know, we walked out of there, that woman, her whole day was just turned around and it showed me the true power of paying it forward and of kindness. Um, we used to pick up homeless people. What's that? We used to pick up homeless people. This is another one of my fond memories of, of taking homeless people for lunch with you and getting them a coffee. And we used to talk with them and hear their story and that was so valuable for me growing up to see that these were just people with stories that were going through a rough time and you treated them with such compassion and such humanity. Well, when we, you go outside, nobody gets any more sunshine than anybody else. And we all shit from the same place. <laughs> so, you know, uh, I never thought about it, but uh, everybody needs a little hand up, you know, once in a while, a lot of hand up with a hand up. And just to show interest in other people, just a smile can save their life, maybe, you know. Growing up, I had some interesting experiences, um, ski racing as well. Um, we would go to, to ski races and all the kids would be going to McDonald's or be going to do sort of, you know, what everyone was doing. And I remember another time that you took me to... Um, I think it was a it was a Japanese restaurant. I remember they were cooking the food right in front of you in an open flame, and I was miserable about it. Do you remember that? I was in Banff. I was in Banff. Mm -hmm. And you insisted that we go, and I have this cultural experience and eat this healthy, good food, and I was just devastated. And I remember I just wanted to go to McDonald's so bad. And now that I'm raising my own family, I look back on those times so fondly and think, you know, it took such discipline as a parent and you were so clear about what you wanted to, you know, the experiences you wanted to expose me to. And you always did things differently. You know, I didn't realize it growing up, but I really didn't watch television. Um, I grew up on a, on a horse ranch, on, a, on an acreage. Um, I would love for you to share a little bit about that time and what that was like, um, the two of us there on the farm. And, you know, I, I, I was just really blessed at that time um, to grow up on an acreage and to be able to be with the animals. Well, I always used to say where uh, I told a friend of mine, we simplify it. I said, Jamie has her, uh, her, her road bike and her mountain bike because of the uh, ski club, you were skiing and doing dryland training and biking. And then you had your soccer cleats and then you had your two pairs of skis and then you had a horse. And my, I told a friend of mine, can we simplify? He said, that's simplifying. <laughs> my daughter would love to have a bike. My daughter would love to have skis. My daughter and a horse, that would be out of the question. So, uh, but you only did really four things. Well, you did your skiing with, and biking. 
together in your soccer and you're, you rode your horse, but you, you had three horses before you were 12 years old. But uh, then we had to make a decision uh, when you got 12, either skiing or, or, uh, or horses, uh, hunters, and you, you chose skiing. So, and that's blessed you to this day. It really has. And now, and now I'm passing that on to my children. Um, we've just recently, you know, built a chicken coop during COVID, um, got some, got some chickens. We expanded the garden. It's been amazing getting the kids out there. Uh, we got a bunny and the, the love and appreciation that comes from animals and spending time in, in nature. This is something that I hold close to my heart and is so powerful for the kids. The, the stable that we built, um, the shoveling, you know, the, the building of the fences that we used to do. Um, this, is, this is the type of thing that now is becoming less and less common with kids. Um, kids' lives are getting more and more complicated and we're getting um, a lot of interference from technology um, that is really taking kids away from that way of living and growing up. And I believe that we can bring that back and that we need to bring that back and we can find a balance. Um, you speak a lot about balance. Do you believe that this is something that's achievable for people in this day and age? Yeah, balance is one of the attributes of wholeness, along with harmony, peace, joy, love, light, kindness, compassion, purity, balance, beauty, perfection. Those are all the attributes of wholeness, the things that make us divine. And uh, to eliminate all the thieves of the heart of hatred and anger and jealousy and criticism, resentment, self-pity, feelings of unworthiness, fear, doubt, blame, gossip, greed, condemnation, judgment, prejudice, all those things we have to get out of our consciousness. You, um, you had a lot of gordisms. And I've actually, we've, we've taken a lot of trips together, you and I. I can't remember which trip it was. I think we were driving to the Baja, Mexico, and I started writing down all of your gordisms. You have hundreds of, of what I refer to as gordisms. Um, there's a couple that really stand out in my mind right now. Um, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Well, that came from Evan Hasekis football. But uh, I remember you said, I said, I can't remember any of those Gordisms. And, you said, and once they started to flow, it was like, oh my gosh. And we had over 100, I think 100, 110 or 112 or something, Gordisms. But they, they, they were all things I learned in my life and uh, from different people and different life experiences. There's no such thing as can't. Yeah, I like, I like Mahatma Gandhi and Einstein very much, by the way. They both believed in simplicity. Einstein said, if you can't explain it simply, you don't understand it well enough, which is the foundation of my book. Uh, you know, you, a lot of people write a book and it's all blah, 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 blah. And I, I, I like to think I cut the bullshit away from the buckwheat and uh, got rid of the fluff. I call it fluff. And uh, anyways, the book was well received because it, it was easy to read and it wasn't my ego, it was just things happened. I started writing it when I was in India in the Himalayas with you. We were trekking in the Himalayas, Himalaya Mountain. Uh, I've heard the word Himalaya over there. I don't hear it over here. <laughs> that was quite the trip. That was an incredible trip. You and I, we've had a lot of adventures, a lot of amazing memories. And that, that trip was an epic adventure. 
um, traveling all over India, but into the Himalayas and on the road again. On the road again. When, when uh, I ended up uh, taking care of you for your life, and you're, uh, you're like two years old, uh, we had a one-ton crew cab dually that we pulled our horse trailer, pistol horse trailer with. And uh, you would be on the road again, we're coming, we're going to the daycare at the Red Deer College. And you, you were just singing on the road again with Willie Nelson, 1980, I think. I still love that song. On the road song. again. I, I just can't wait to get on the road again. We, we went on the road a lot. So we went to South Falls, New York, with a nine day Maha Chancellor with uh, Guru, Guru Mayachi Balasanandra. We did uh, a whole five day, five nights with the Native Indians and the University of Lethbridge, healing ourselves in Mother Earth. We, uh, we met Leonard, legal Leonard Cloud. And George Goodstriker, Harry Raymakers, the medicine men. We had a great uh, week experience there and doing sweat lodges. And uh, you were you were you were wonderful to be with. You had a great uh, like I said, where I went, you went; where you went, I went. So that's why I did I did kids things, and you did adult things, and then we did we grew up together. So <laughs> we sure did. I was just um, speaking about this yesterday. Actually, I had a guest on the show yesterday, and I was actually referring to he was saying how he had explored all sorts of different religions and, and mystical practices and, and paths, you know, across the board, A, A to Z. And so I mentioned to him that I was very blessed growing up, that I was exposed to a lot of things. You know, we, I was exposed to Buddhism. I was exposed to Hinduism. I was exposed to uh, yogic paths. I was exposed to Christianity. I was exposed to all sorts of things. Oh, we've got Emmett coming in. The joys of having three little kids at home during COVID. So we were saying about the the experience of, of having a broad range, a broad spectrum of experiences and how powerful that is to see all of the similarities actually between all of those paths. But one thing that you said that was, that always stood out to me is so powerful is, you know, take a, a flower from each of those experiences, take what you resonate with, take what's meaningful to you and then make your own bouquet. And that, actually I'm doing with my kids now. And it's such a beautiful way of looking at things is to take what is meaningful to us and what resonates with us and leave what doesn't and make our own garden. And that was always such powerful, you know, such a powerful thing that you did for me. And it, it gave me such a unique and broad perspective. And I was really able to build my own garden um, throughout my life. And I still continue to do that. And I still continue to do that with my own children. Well, uh, I had a wonderful mom and dad myself, you see, so they were wonderful. I, my dad used to, used to come to all my sporting events, my track meets, my baseball games, football, everything, ski meets, wherever I went, he went. So I had a good teacher too, you see. And my mom would, would, would uh, we'd go have a ski day at this local ski hill, which was not too far from where we lived. We could cross country ski over to it and create little trails and that kind of stuff. And my mom would 
serve hot dogs and hot chocolate in a little shed at the ski area back in the 1950s. It goes back a while. And I, I jokingly said to my brother, the hot dogs tasted like T-bone steaks back then. <laughs> uh, that was a very, and sauteed onions and mustard, it was great. Amazing what happens when things are made with love. Hallelujah, yeah. Well, so, you know, I tell people on a spiritual path that it's very simple. We're not human beings having spiritual experiences. We're spiritual beings having a human experience. And the other thing is there's no hell and there's no death. And we've had hundreds and hundreds of lifetimes. So when you get that through, you get all this old dogma that we're sinners and that God is a judgmental God out of our consciousness. And we're all full of love and light. And God is only love and light because he, he can't say anything about love and light. All he is. And there's a cute saying I tell people, if you see a fault in the other person, you can't see that fault in the other person unless you have that fault in yourself. And that's an eye-opener. But don't beat yourself up. As long as we're in a human body, we're going to have human moments. So don't, don't get down on yourself. Just say thank you for the experience and try not to do it again. So you, let's go back to kind of how you started on your spiritual journey because you are on an incredible spiritual path. And you and I have done a lot of things together spiritually. Um, talk to us about um, when you went in, in search of the I Am discourses. Well, uh, it finds you, you don't find it. If you have the intention, to, it's called it in India, they call it a chila, a seeker on the path. And uh, you, you, there's kind of an old saying that when you, God thinks you're ready to meet the guru, God will introduce you to a guru, a teacher. When the teacher thinks you're ready to meet God, the guru will introduce you to God. It's kind of an old saying. It's not quite true, but it gives you the idea that uh, we all have many, many lifetimes, 40, 800 lifetimes. And uh, we bring into this lifetime some karma. But most of us, believe it or not, don't come into this world with much karma. Uh, some people do, but not most people don't. But they develop a little bit of it here. But you can dissolve that karma in the fire of yoga, in the, in the sacred fire. And that's the uh, topic now that I, you asked me to, to kind of discuss is uh, just accept everything that comes your way. Be, become a seeker for the truth. But uh, my my experience with I am was uh, I, a friend of mine was in chiropractic school. And uh, he worked with me in, in my ski shop and ran my cross-country section for a few years while he did his upgrading in high school and then he went to become a chiropractor. And he came back and said, Gordon, there's a book I, a lady, I was in a New Age bookstore in Portland, Oregon. And he said, lady, old lady comes to the young man, there's a book you should, and she showed me the book number three of the I Am Discourse by St. Germain. So Bill and I came back to Red Deer, Alberta, and he said, there's a book you think you'd like, Gordon. He was a transcendental meditation guy since he was a young man, about 16 years old. He's still very involved with Maharishi and the, the uh, teachings of, of that of Maharishi of uh, transcendental meditation. So we couldn't find it in Vernon or in Red Deer. So we, we phoned Calgary and there's one guy in the books who said, I think I have that book. So we drove to Calgary and we got there and the guy said, I have to apologize. I can't find the book. He said, I live in the, in the bookstore at the back of the basement. It's a little old bookstore. And uh, Bill was talking to him, and I was looking at some Og Mandino books. So this is back in like, the early 80s. 
and all of a sudden this book went clunk, clunk. And it fell off the shelf, and a guy walked over and said, oh, here's a book you're looking for. That book sits on my bed table still to this day, book number three of the Ambush Course. So that was book, I am, means the power of God in action within us, is the resurrection of the life. And uh, that was the start of my path, not my spiritual path, my path of resurrection. There's lots of spiritual paths in the world. I'm not going to get into any, all this stuff because it's into a hodgepodge of whatever. But the ultimate is getting on a path of resurrection. A lot of paths give you a great foundation, but gurus are teachers. And uh, you accept them as great teachers. And, but the ultimate goal is to resurrect, become Christ. Like Christ is not a person, right? Christ is a consciousness. And but Jesus had that Christ consciousness within him. He was called Jesus the Christ. Uh, and uh, so I emphasize uh, going on a path of resurrection. But I have three beautiful daughters, and uh, they're all quite different. But I, I also learned not to to uh, shove my beliefs or my I don't call them beliefs anymore. I call them my truths on anybody. I, I like to plant little seeds, and if they ask a question, then I, I, I'll, I'll add it. But I'm a, a spiritual seed farmer. I, uh, I, I farm out thoughts, ideas, plant seeds in people so they think about it. But if they don't ask me a question about what I, the seed I plant, I never share it with them. They, we all have our own destiny, and everybody's doing okay. So when we talk about the time that we're in, I feel you're uniquely qualified for a lot of different reasons to speak to people about what's required right now to move through what many see as a rebirth, um, birthing into a new world, into a new time. What do you feel is the most essential things to focus on in order to move through this time that we're in? and move from surviving to thriving into what I believe personally is an incredible time if we allow ourselves to transmute or transform or transition through this time. Just give us a little idea of how you see what's happening right now and what we can do. Well, one word, love. Love is the, the uh, of the inner heart. The heart and the law of the, the how you know of the universe. I say, go there and roam. Uh, honor thyself, worship thyself, as God dwells within you, as you. Yeah. Uh, love, wisdom, harmony, all those attributes of wholeness, which I talked about a little bit earlier. Focus on those things. Don't focus on the negative. Focus on the positive. As everything was a thought first. So as you think, so you become. And nothing is good or bad that thinking makes it so. You know, so uh, keep good thoughts. Love. So, so when we, one of the, the stories that you talk about with my children is the, the light wolf and the dark wolf. Well, there's the wolf of anger and the wolf of love. And uh, they both want your attention. Well, the kids ask, what's, what wolf wins? And, and, you tell them it's the wolf you feed. 
you feed love, you, you harvest love. If you feed anger, you, you harvest anger. That's simple. Mm. The other analogy that I've really been enjoying that you have used with the kids is the idea of, of sowing seeds and what you want to grow and what you're planting. Oh, cute story. I love that story. I love Ella and Esme. And I'm a little too young yet, but I said to them, Ella, Esme, what do you do when you plant tomatoes? Oh, Grandpa, you get tomatoes seeds. What happens if you plant pumpkin seeds? Grandpa, you get pumpkins. What happens if you plant hate? Oh, Grandpa, not a good idea. What about if you plant love? Oh, yeah, Grandpa. Oh, good way to teach. This is a great way to teach. Well, and the kids love it, and it works. It's very, very effective, you know? They light up. They get it right away in their world. That makes sense. And, you know, one of the things that um, you're working on right now is age reversal, which I think is particularly interesting to a lot of people out there. Um, talk to us about what this is and what this means and how you're doing it. Well, very few people are really going to reverse the aging, but uh, it's called uh, metamorphosis meditation. And uh, to uh, get your endocrine system to produce the metamorphosis hormone and a perfect balance of perfect concentration into our bloodstream. Uh, this is not a topic that I think it should be discussed at any length because it's a very personal thing. But there's a very small part of the population that will become uh, metamorphosized, you might say, in the next two to three, four years. And they will work as uh, work on the planet. But that's just, they're, they're, they're the, let's say, 25,000 that are going to plant the seeds, so another 25,000, another 25,000, mm -hmm. another 25,000. Mm -hmm. And so for clarity for our listeners, you're, you know, a lot of people tuning in, you know, are on the spiritual path. They, they, they want to learn as much as they can and discover and explore and are on that path of self-discovery. Um, you have a, a way with affirmations. Um, you've always amazed me with the affirmations that you have. What is one of the most powerful affirmations that you use daily in your life? Um, or a multitude of affirmations that are the most powerful for you? Well, they're all powerful, but I had to pick one. Start each day with love in your heart and you will succeed. Mm. Yeah, that's probably one of them. So, spirituality is a huge growing. Everybody has their own little destiny, what they, they need to learn. Mm. And even within the path that I'm on, if you talk to uh, 10 students, on the same path with the same knowledge that is available to them, which is so much like it's a smorgasbord and right now. It's unbelievable what I, I had my. You, know, you, you speak about you speak about harmony and the importance of maintaining harmony and what happens when we don't. You speak from experience on this. Um, tell us a little bit about what happened when you were out of harmony in your life and um, how that impacted your life. Well, if you become angry, uh, you lose cut off the supply of abundance in your life. Abundance is a lot of different things. But if you can stay in harmony, that's the best way. When you get out of harmony, you're, uh, you lose, uh, you change your vibration, body by air or vibrational energy. And that 
So love vibrates at a high vibration, hate vibrates at a low vibration. And so you want to vibrate at a high vibration. Now what's really interesting from a vibrational point of view is sometimes you, everybody's had this experience, you walk into a room and you meet somebody and let's say you're vibrating at a thousand and they're vibrating at 400 because of anger or whatever. They suck you down to 700 and you lift them up to 700. It's called consciousness uh, income. income uh, the law of averages. Of averages, yeah. And so another time you meet somebody and you're, you're vibrating at 800 and they're vibrating at 1,000, they pull you up, they make you feel, you know, better. Mm-hmm. And so everything in the universe vibrates. So think of everything as a vibration that helps you to understand the situation you're in. And the vibration of anger is not a very pretty one. I've had so much anger inside me once, not for a person, place, or for a, the courts system. I was so angry with the imperfection of the courts, the judicial system, and their unprofessionalism. And so I, I experienced, I never want to feel that anger and hatred again ever in my life. It was a good lesson for me. So you've, you've talked about how, the, how anger and these negative emotions that bring us out of harmony, in particular, you speak to anger, um, jealousy, criticism, bitterness, these types of emotions, but particularly anger, and how anger stops the flow of abundance. Absolutely. Faster than anything you can imagine. Mm-hmm. All the things the heart, which I mentioned earlier about hatred, anger, jealousy, criticism, resentment, self-pity, all those mm-hmm. rob you of your divinity. Mm-hmm. They're called, so they're called thieves of the heart. I love that. We're heart. seeing, I yeah, I love it too. Anger. We're seeing a lot of division right now, us versus them, black versus white. Um, there's, there's a tremendous amount of turmoil and crises happening on the planet right now. What do you see as the antidote? What can we do? Well, there's five storms coming. They were in the second storm now. The first storm was the, uh, uh, what we experience now with the virus. Second one is the uh, racial discrimination, racial problem. There's three more storms coming. But the antidote for all that is love. As I said earlier, love, love, love. And love will prevail. Love is the strongest power in the universe. And, uh, there is no hell and there is no devil, but there is a sinister force in the world. But it's created by our own, set by us. And uh, it's, it's not going to win, it's going to lose. So it's trying to uh, uh, do its destruction, but uh, the only power it has is the power you give it. So I think this is the key that I'm really, really feeling myself right now is the importance of not focusing on things that we don't want to give power to, on things that we, you know, what we focus on expands. And there's so much energy and attention going into a lot of the negative things occurring on the planet right now. Because there's so much attention on what's wrong, you know, we're, we're just, we're giving it power, we're giving it energy, and therefore it's growing, we're feeding that wolf, so to speak. So one of the things that I'm really doing personally in my life is continuing to focus on the solutions, continuing to focus on what, what we want to create and what we want to live right now in this moment, in this present moment and, and drawing in and creating like a producer or a director or a writer of our, of our own reality 
what we want to experience and the life we want to have. Um, for me, having young children, obviously it would be really easy to sink into a potentially deep depression and look at how, um, you know, things are, are not the way that I want them to be for my children. And I could go down that deep, dark, ugly hole, but I'm really called with this podcast to talk about the solutions, to talk about how we can live into our human potential and our birthright as co-creators and that we live on heaven on earth and that it's a perception that it's how we choose to reframe or frame uh, our life and how we see it. This, this for a lot of people can be a very, very difficult thing to do right now because they're passionate. They're passionate about what's going on and what they can do about it. And a lot of people I'm witnessing are getting caught up in the illusion, the drama, you know, the, the play of consciousness, as you call it. Where you sit, you've, you've learned some really intense and powerful life lessons and soul lessons. I believe that people can learn from other people and not have to necessarily repeat those mistakes, right? What do you feel that the gift is we can give our listeners today is your greatest soul epiphany, your greatest soul evolution or awakening, um, something that you've realized in this lifetime that is so potent and so powerful that you would hope to pass on to other people so that they don't necessarily have to you know, learn from the school of hard knocks, that they can learn through observation and through wisdom and those who have gone before. What mistakes do we not need to repeat? Well, everything that's happening in your life is perfect, complete, and whole for you at that time. So just, just uh, seek the light, and uh, that's all I can, only advice I can give you. There's a, right now, there's about, what I learned is about 200 paths, which is quite amazing in the world right now that are doing good work. So, but I'm, I'm going to be very, now I went to Calvary College and I went, what the hell is this crap all about? I, it was all about beliefs and I didn't, I didn't buy into it, but I did connect with Jesus. And I've been walking with Jesus for a long time. He's a very powerful energy, very beautiful energy. And uh, misquoted a lot, but uh, I'm not religious, but I'm very spiritual. I believe in, in the light of, of God very much, but there's one power and one presence, one intelligent universe. You call it whatever you want, but there's only one power: omniscience, omnipresence, omnipotence. One power, one presence, one intelligence, universe. And if you're just focused on that one power, that one presence, one intelligence, that's all you need to do. Mm-hmm. You um, you encourage in the uh, religions based on the Book of Knowledge of Good and Evil. What I study is the book of Tree of Life teachings, the old original teachings, well, for going back thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years, not the Bible. So sorry, there's a lot of good things in the Bible, but uh, oh, honor the feminine energy, the balanced, the patriarchal energy has been running this world for years and years, centuries and centuries. Now we have matriarchal energy, the feminine energy coming. And in order to be a, a balanced, balanced human being, you have to have patriarchal energy and matriarchal energy, feminine and masculine energy. And the feminine energy is, is the love energy of the heart. The masculine energy is a, the, uh, the uh, 
of the mind as a man, man, vastly, and you need a balance. And now look at what's happening in America in politics. Look at the Democratic Party now, all the good women that are running, women in, 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 that are, are mayors in the United States and Canada. And women are slowly taking, getting involved in uh, Germany. You know, uh, women, we need more feminine energy and we need a balance because we have enough of the male energy, which is destructive. So even ourselves, we need to honor the feminine, if you're a man and if you're a woman, and honor the masculine. Well, that's a big one right now. That's a big one. Masculine, feminine, balancing of the energy. That's the word balance. I like that. How's that? Good one, eh? It's, it's a big one. And, you know, we're, we're experiencing that sacred feminine. And for our listeners, let's just be clear. We don't mean man and woman. We mean feminine energy and masculine energy. Is that right? Yeah. So that manifests in different ways. And, and it's a wonderful thing to begin to study and understand. And I see, I see a lot of shifts here. I'm very optimistic about what's happening. It seems to be in many ways happening very, very quickly and in other ways happening very slowly. But what do you see us living into here in the future? What is, what is the world that you see unfolding for us? What is the world you, you see us creating for ourselves? Well, there's lots of things that are going to happen in the next two to four years. And uh, we have three more storms to get through, you might say. And who knows what they are, but there's lots of stuff that's going to happen. And I can't really get into it. I have an idea what's going to go on. But uh, there's lots of uh, theories, you might say, about it, but uh, just keep love in your heart. Every day with love in your heart, and you will succeed. One of the other famous Gordisms. It can be very difficult right now to keep things simple because you're the king of simplicity. And just, just for the record, because I have to share this, it's too good not to share. When I was a kid, you know, I didn't have anything on my dressers, my dressers were clear. And I had, you know, very, very small amount of things, you know, as memory serves that, you know, I had a couple pairs of shorts and a couple pairs of pants and um, it was, it was very simple. And I would love for you to share a little bit about what your thinking was um, with that strategy. Well, you had more than you realized, but uh, uh, I had, I, because I was, I had a business to run, I had you to look after. I had two older daughters who are 10, 11 years older than you, and that eventually through the nest. But I had to wash those clothes. So I had a theory with you that we went shopping, but I, we both had to like it. So I have to apologize. I jokingly apologize that you never had a dress until you left home. Because <laughs> you're a tomboy. You were, you were, you were busy playing with horses and playing with dogs and cats and in a stable and bales with your friends and have, building houses out of bales and making a mess, it was wonderful. I'd rather have you making a mess in the stable than doing something positive. Yeah, I remember Shannon Kearney and I, you, she used to lift up the bales and I'd catch the mice or vice versa. And no, it was, I have lots of fond memories, but I definitely was a tomboy and I definitely did not wear a dress until much, much later in my life. Were growing, so you had new clothes every six, eight months. So uh, I, we had nobody to hand them down to. So you, I, you had, 
an average five or six of everything. Hmm. How uh, else can we keep it simple other than our wardrobe? One wash day of where you can see. <laughs> what, what is your, why do you believe simplicity is so important? And what is it about simplicity that, you know, you really speak into simplicity because this is not something that is spoken about that often. And I want people to understand really what you mean when you speak about simplicity and why it's so powerful in our life. Well, uh, lots of sayings. There's one saying I like, educators take something simple and make it complicated. Communicators take something complicated and make it simple. And Einstein said, if you can't explain it simply, you don't understand it well enough. And I, I can't remember the next fellow's name, Carl Miga said, uh, first essential to success is simplicity. And, uh, you know, if I had 26 horses, including, I, I wasn't, I wasn't enjoying what I, my horses though. You can have too much material possessions. You know, I, I and uh, everything in the universe is moving and has energy. Clutter stagnates the energy. You, you know what I mean? You, you, if you have, I felt lighter, you feel lighter when you're simpler. And Gandhi says, if you have a chair in your home and you don't need it, sell it or give it away to somebody who could use it. Like if you don't need it, don't keep it. Now there's a story, this is a true story about a guy called, I call him Bill and Cass, and he retired, he bought a Jaguar car. I'm so proud of a Jaguar. Brand new ja red, burgundy red Jaguar. Sports coupe. And he couldn't park it in his garage, so it was full, full of crap. So his friends said, have a garage sale. So we had a garage sale and he did really well. And then he, he, he took, he got the Salvation Army to come in and take everything else and just parked his car in the garage. Now he could park his car in the garage. And he made more money on the, uh, his garage sale and got rid of all this stuff. They felt so good that they went through the house and went to the kitchen. He had, she had 120 teacups. So they kept 12. He had over box that's out sitting in a baskets and baskets. He kept 12 all the same, same size, same color. They felt so good in light, body and spirit that they both lost 30 pounds because they felt lighter. And they enjoyed life more, they enjoyed their home more. And they didn't realize how much this crap, all this crap was stagnating their lives. You know what I mean? So, good story. It frees up a lot of energy and um... I, you know, as we kind of close up our conversation here, which has just been so enjoyable, I'm thinking about um, the story about the, um, the, the, the monk who stopped eating sugar because people were coming to him. And I find that one thing that you do is you, you really live what you speak about. So I would love you to share that story, a little bit about that sugar story. Well, the shoemaker goes to the saint and says to the saint, my son eats too much sugar, could you give him your darshan, your blessing? And the saint said, see me one week from today. So this, the fellow brought the shoemaker, brought his son, and he, he got blessed by the, the saint, and he immediately had lost his craving for sugar. And the, the shoemaker said to the saint, why couldn't you do that last week? And he said, last week I was eating too much sugar. <laughs> So, you know, you have to teach what you, you know, 
live all your teach. So share with us what's up for you in this next phase of your life. What's your focus? What's your plan? And, and where are you going, Gord, Mr. Gord, Mr. Dad? Well, uh, people, I'm seeking my uh, infinity. The infinite, the Christ illuminated being, an untouchable Christ being on this earth in the next two to four years. So I have a big, big journey ahead of me. That's, that, that, you know, that, that may start a few people, but. Uh, so you've got your little grandson here who's joined us. And um, you know, you have lots of, of, of grandkids. What is it that you want to leave? Uh, what legacy would you like to leave for them? You know, they're listening to this down the road. What, what do you want to say to them? I'm not leaving them anything. I'll be with them. I'll be with them all the time. For a long, I'm here for a long time, by the way. I'm not here to, to, to die. I'm here to live. This is the life I've been dying to live. So your, your grandson wants to say hi. No, now he doesn't want to say hi. <laughs> Reverse psychology is working exceptionally well right now. So, um, you know, if, if, if I want to actually have him not do something, I tell him to do it. And if I want him to do it, I tell him not to do it. <laughs> I think adults can be much the same way. Yeah, yeah. The whole crew is actually joining me now. So, so grandpa and, and dad and Gord, I just want to thank you for coming on today and sharing with us your little nuggets and words of wisdom. Um, I'd love to have you back on again, just keeping us updated on, you know, today we kind of covered just a broad range of topics and everybody got a chance to know you a little bit better, which was such a gift. And I'd like to have you back on as things progress in the world and just with some, some little nuggets and gems of what we can do, some tools for the toolbox. I think some affirmations that, that you have are going to be extremely powerful. And I know you kind of glazed over um, the last affirmation request, but I am going to ask for that one good one. Um, that's, that's, that's so powerful that we can leave our listeners with. That's a biggie, by the way. That's going to be hard for people to comprehend what, what well, a small group of us, about 25,000 of us, have been coming to the earth for a long time. But we honor the feminine, a big message there is the feminine energy, balancing with the masculine energy. No, we have no, now it's solely balancing. And so uh, honor thyself, worship thyself. Yesterday I had, was on with Don D Jackson and he was sharing um, the I am that I am the power of God with action within me. And I, I believe that the power of affirmations and, and visualizations is very, very powerful. Before we depart, share with us a little bit of a practice, a meditational practice or a visualize, visualization practice that you do in your daily life um, that you would be able to share with our listeners. Just do it. Don't try, don't try so hard, just allow it to happen. No big deal. An old saying in meditation, even though nothing is happening, a lot is happening. Although a lot is happening, nothing is happening. Just meditate, meditate, meditate. Uh, be still, be at peace, and know that I am God. Be still and at peace, and know that I am God. So I find so, I love silence and stillness. I love the peace. 
Okay. And last but not least, what is your favorite guilty pleasure at the moment, Gord? Oh, well, there's so many. <laughs> <laughs> Are we done? No. Is it pizza? Oh, I love pizza. <laughs> <laughs> you got a guilty pleasure you want to share with us? What are you really enjoying these days? What, you know, cause why not? Like life is so short. Life is so good. What, what just are you enjoying immensely right now? Privacy, silence, stillness. Love mm. it all. Mm. Love being in a peace of soaring power. Mm. That's not much of a guilty pleasure, I'm afraid. I was waiting to hear if maybe it was a, you know, an A&W teen burger or. <laughs> I'm always a teen burger, but I, I avoid them once in a while. <laughs> When they go on sale, I can't resist it. The $3. Oh, that's right. Well, you know what? We always say you can't take yourselves too seriously, right? Enjoy I, the journey. I, I, I take Ella and Esme and Emma to uh, Wendy's for a, a junior bacon cheeseburger and a Frosty for 99 cents, and we have a great time. I have one with them. Right. One of the Frosty with them and a junior bacon cheeseburger for $2.10 a piece. Um, Creating, su creating such special memories. And then so, Ellen, Esme and I going for a hot chocolate and a donut, you know, for a cookie. Yeah, we have so many special memories of, of you taking um, Ella for, for sushi and, and walking her in her little stroller. Um, I would love to hear, just because it's so special for me to hear as we wrap up, what was um, your favorite memory of when I was a little girl? All of them. You don't, you don't have one that stands out in your mind? It was all a favorite moment. It was all a blessing. It was all wonderful. Mm. You often speak about when I used to um, get on the bus in the morning. Well, you'd get out, walk to the bus in the morning, and then you'd turn around just where you got the bus, wave to me like this. And you'd phone me at, my, at the store and afterwards and say, Dad, I'm home. Can Shan Prairie come over or can somebody else come over? I said, yeah. Cut off they stay for supper and then we drive them home. Or you had dry landing, dry land training. Anyway, that's another story. You made you made good lunches. I, yeah, you, I still have that. Uh, maybe I gave it to your dear dad. I like it. I love your sandwiches. You make good sandwiches and you, you snuggle with me. <laughs> anyway. Thank you for coming on, Papa, and blessing us with your wealth of wisdom and your light and you truly are dad my best friend in the world and i'm so blessed to be able to call you my dad as well and thank you thank you thank you for all that you've done in the creation of this podcast and of me and of my children and of our life and i have so much gratitude to you and and what you've given throughout the years to me and to my family so may the force be with you namaste Aho, all the good stuff. And um, I hope you have an amazing day over there, yonder on the coast. And thank you for joining us. Our listeners will be very, very excited to get to know this man, this amazing man. Thank you, Papa.